Welcome back to another episode of On the Bench with Beak. I am your humble host, Cody Beekman, <laughs> and with me, as always, is Bryce McMillan. How's it going, fella? Milan, thanks for your time, bud. And we got Ross Mormeyer. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Hope you're all doing well. And we've got Daniel Beatty. How's it going, everybody? So today, I think I speak for all the boys. Uh, we are uber excited for this episode. We have an incredible guest. Uh, I can't even believe I'm saying this right now. Um, Milan Hayduk. Milan, thank you so much for being with us. Can you say hi to all the fine folks out there? Hi, everyone. So, Milan, uh, thank you so much, like, uh, again, for being on the show, man. Uh, so, basically, what we like to do, you know, we like to dig up uh, different perspectives of hockey and uh, share them for the entire world. So, um, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, can you uh, kind of, like, just, we're going to take it all the way back to when you were a little kid back in the, the Czech Republic, man. Um can you tell tell us uh, like how you really how you really caught the bug of hockey? Right. Uh, so uh, I was I was you know my uh, my family was kind of uh, sports uh, you know very interested in sports. My dad was actually a hockey player. Played uh, in the uh, in the uh, you know not nothing international level, but on the on the you know in the Czech league and uh, and then he and then he became a coach. Uh, my mom uh, played tennis uh, again. Not nothing, nothing big. Not on an international level, but uh, uh, you know, uh, she was she was fairly successful also. So we're in my hometown, which you know, it's in Czech Republic, about uh, 60 miles north of Prague. It's like it, it's about 100,000 people live there. So right there, there's a there's a hockey stadium right next to our tennis courts where my my mom played, and dad actually kind of worked that time when. Uh, when I when I was growing up, he was he was coaching, he was running the, the youth hockey program there. So uh, for me, it was kind of easy to uh, uh, to get in hockey and tennis, basically two sports I played growing up. So uh, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time at the ice rink, uh, locker rooms, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, I just know uh, I knew every uh, every corner of the ice rink because I just spent lots of time. My dad basically worked there, so. Uh, any uh, any chance that I could go on the ice, I uh, I went, and uh, so it was kind of cool childhood I had. Did you uh, did your mom and dad ever have like a tug of war of uh, uh, between tennis and hockey? Who you, uh, which which one you should play more? Like, no, he's gonna play more hockey, or no, he's gonna play more tennis. Yeah, so uh, uh, my mom really never pushed me that much for tennis but I, I i love the the game i think tennis is a is a awesome sport and i think probably helped me with with hockey uh later on in my life you know with you know the hand-eye coordination stuff like that you uh you probably learn from tennis but i so i played both sports till i was like about 13 and then uh decided to play with hockey hockey is a little bit more fun in the perspective of uh, team sport you're hanging out with the guys the locker room stuff instead of uh you know, tennis, yeah, you're just by yourself. If things are not going uh, right and you're melting down, you're going to lose a game. In hockey, even if you're, let's say, if you're not feeling that one night and you're not at your best, the other, your teammates or linemates can pull you out of the, the trouble. Uh, so, and it's definitely a lot more fun, uh, you know, uh, being in the locker room and, and the stuff after hockey games, hanging out with the guys. It's just definitely, uh, to me, it was a no-brainer what sport I should pick, really. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I totally get that too. You know, uh, even like sports like baseball, you know, that it's really just focused on like the pitchers. So whenever, whenever you're kind of melting down, it's all on you. But yeah, I, I totally see it, man. Uh, and um, uh, I think uh, you used to just hang out in the locker rooms with all the guys on, uh, uh, on your dad's team, right? Right. And so uh, dad, my dad coached, yeah, he coached uh, 15, 16 year olds uh quite a bit and uh yeah they're, they're doing crazy stuff they're they're uh zipping me in the in the hockey bag just lock me somewhere and stuff like that so uh <laughs> they had a little bit of fun with me uh, but it, you know like it was all good uh you know I, I was just a little kid hanging out with older older uh older kids older you know uh teenagers basically and uh so it was kind of fun for me even they they abused me a little bit but uh yeah, it was all all good Oh man! I, also, I yeah. What, uh, go for it, Bryce. Yeah. So this is Bryce speaking, Milan. Um, I was just curious about you know, you've been in your the locker rooms with your dad in the Czech Republic, learning hockey. Was it the first time you ever set skates on ice, and what was that like for you? Oh, geez, like uh, I think it was. I, I was about three and a half years old, and uh, you know, I, I don't think they make these skates anymore. It, it was basically uh, two sets of blades on on one sitting on one boot. It was kind yep. of. Uh, oh yeah. I, I don't know if they they make them anymore. Probably not. But that's that's how I I started out. Probably that time it was kind of normal. You know, we're talking about. You know, I was born '76, so this is probably 1980, something like that. So, uh, so that's how I started. Uh, slowly they walked me around the blue line and. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I don't really remember it. It's just I was just too little. But this is what I heard from uh, from uh, from my mom from the stories that this is how I started on the two blade uh, two blade skates, basically. Huh. Actually, uh, you know, the, what, what, oh my gosh, what's funny is that I, I, I've seen a, I've seen a pair of those before. Have you? Yeah. So you you know what I'm talking about? It's just yeah. I, I don't yeah, think they make I, them anymore. Do I they? was. No, I, well, the, the the pair I did see were super old, but I I saw them. I'm like, this is yeah. like a freaking. St- oh, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> I was gonna say the last time I saw a pair of those was in the hockey hall of fame when <laughs> behind Plexi, like the little glass that they had. It's just oh. like. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Oh wow! So uh, what a so. You know, obviously you're playing. You're playing uh, just you know peewees and bantams around uh, Czech. Uh, what really made you? What made you kind of like go further and go out on a limb and really try to get out there into the uh, to make a career out of it? Uh, well, I like uh, you know I I felt like I was always successful as a as a you know young ages of squirts, peewees, and and bantam, uh, always you know scoring uh, lots of goals and. Uh, you know, you know the, the success uh, brings uh, you know more hard work. Like you, you get motivated more because it's just uh, you, you. You see whatever you're working on, it, it's 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 working in the games. Uh, and uh, you know, then these, I I start playing for uh, the the national team. Uh, I think the youngest group age group we had, uh, he was 16 and under. So start playing in in for the Czech Republic U16 uh, team, and then he goes U17, 18 under 20, then to the national team, uh, you know, you get drafted. So I got drafted by, uh, by uh, Nordiques in 94. So he kind of started realizing at 16, 17, 18, yeah, I, I, you know, I 
maybe I can make something out of this uh, and, and, you know, become a pro and, uh, and that's what happened. And what, uh, who, like, um, who was really behind? I mean, obviously you had a huge, uh, your parents had a huge influence on you. Were they, were they really behind you? Like saying, Hey man, uh, you can really make something of yourself here. They have, uh, who else had a really big influence on you trying to maybe for to continue to pursue, uh, you I know, mean, a career I, I, in hockey. Besides, besides parents, really besides my dad, like it, it was just you know, a bunch of coaches. It's hard to pinpoint one guy, but like it's, uh, every, every coach gives you a little bit. And, uh, you know, like I, like I mentioned, like when, when you're teenager, 16, 17, you're successful playing, uh, you know, things are working out. You think, start thinking, okay, maybe, uh, maybe I can, you know, I can, I can make some, think, you know, uh, especially, you know, at 16, 17, 18, and, and that time, you know, you know I didn't watch that much NHL hockey, so the main goal really was to play in the top level in, in Czech Republic and then play for a national team and, and see what happens. So basically, it kind of, uh, that's what happened for me. I, I signed a, a pro contract at 17, it, so I played the top Czech league at, at, at age of 17. Uh, I was still a junior in high school and then I had a pro contract, so uh, then then uh, you know, eighteen, I was drafted by uh, by Nordiques. So things kind of progressing the progressed the the right way, and uh, and uh, you know, and four years later, basically when I was twenty two, uh, uh, I signed a contract with the Avs. So uh, yeah, that's that's one thing uh, I think. Like even a lot of Avalanche fans don't really realize that you were drafted in 1994 a lot like uh you you uh you decided to stay in check for a really long time uh well uh compared to other people you know when they're they're uh drafted into the nhl they normally jump right in um what was your decision to uh you know stay in check well uh i don't think it was really my decision uh I don't think I was any really super high prospect. I was drafted fourth round, uh, 87 overall. Uh, so, you know, it's it's different when, when you're a first rounder or a top top 10 in a draft. These guys usually jump in the league right away. So for me, uh, you know, fourth round, there was not much interest in uh, uh, the as you know, that time actually they were, they were still in uh, in Quebec. They were in Nordiques, right? They, uh, when I was drafted and, uh, and a couple of years after, before they moved to Colorado. So there was not much interest. They had a good team, but uh, uh, I think what, what made a difference for me was 98 Olympics. When, uh, so I was the youngest guy picked for the Czech uh, uh, Olympic team. And we, uh, we happened to well, the one the Olympics in, in Nagano in Japan, where uh, there was the first Olympics where all the NHL players were allowed to go. It was the first Olympics. They, they in, at least in, in Czech Republic, they call it the tournament of the century for hockey, at least because previously any pros couldn't go to uh, to the Olympics. But uh, that year, uh, that Olympics, uh, NHL made a you know uh, three uh, three weeks or four weeks window for the guys to uh, go and represent their country. So we we went in as a uh, dark horse. About half of the team were NHL guys, but we had the you know really good players like Dominic Asik, uh, Jagger. Uh, so these guys were carrying carrying the torch, but uh, like other half of the team were guys from Europe, like myself, and a lot of them from Czech League. So, and we we happened to beat, uh, you know, 
all the best teams. So that probably kind of propelled me to uh, to uh, uh, signing a contract with the Avs and, and 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 you know making the team. Milan, I I really appreciate you touching on your experience on the international level because I grew up in Canada and 98 was a big year for me because I was really looking forward to watching our home team with the pro players uh, take home the gold medal. And it certainly didn't work out that way for us. You had a lot to do with that. And you had mentioned how the team that you were on had some absolute legends at the time while you were still learning and gaining that confidence of being a player that could compete with these players and you're stepping on the ice against players like Wayne Gretzky and needing to skate along those guys. But also I'm curious back to the locker room uh, comments you were making earlier, did some of that experience of being around the locker rooms both earlier and then with these pros like Yager and Hashik in the room with you, were they telling you things that gave you the confidence like, yeah, we've got a real chance here. And were there things that were said that you remember that really made a difference for you and how you felt as a team? Well, like I know on a, definitely on a personal level for, for myself, I realized I, you know, I can, before I ever stepped on a, you know, NHL uh, ice that, you know, it's, it's for me, it's, it's, you know, possible to compete against the, the top players in the world. And, uh, you know, we end up winning. But, you know, uh, obviously we had a really good team and we had some star players there too. So uh, for me, that, that, was, that, was, that was massive that, you know, the, 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 we grow the confidence and the confidence level from that tournament translated for me to future uh, years that, you know, this is, this is the highest level the hockey is, you, you know, uh, guys representing their countries they have the best players and 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 if you can compete it, it gives you a tremendous boost and com- boost and uh boost and confidence so uh in the locker room it was it was really uh i didn't know really these guys much i didn't know hashek and uh and, and jager and and it was it was very interesting to watch them how they prepare for the games and uh what they do obviously they had tons of confidence because they were already nhl stars dominic hashek was carrying buffalo sabers uh uh, for for a number of years, and 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 the Agri won already a couple of cups with Pittsburgh and and with Penguins, and and, and uh, you know him and Mario Lemieux, and they were carrying the team. So so uh, you know following following these guys uh, uh, was definitely a tremendous boost for myself and for the rest of the team. That's for sure. Well, Milan, I want to kind of ask you a question. I mean, you came in with Chris Drury and yourself. I mean. You guys were star-studded, just rookies at the time, coming into the Avalanche and also facing the Detroit rivalry, rivalry that we had back in the day, too. I mean, that kind of, A, had to kind of intensify the situation, I'd imagine, but I just want to get your feel on that because that had to been, you know, kind of a shaking in your boots, but also you had a veteran kind of, you know, team behind you, too, so... Right, like uh, definitely, like uh, uh, you know, I can't speak for Chris, but like definitely, uh, I'm I'm sure he felt the same way. Uh, quickly, uh, once we made a team and uh, we realized that uh, games against Red Wings are no ordinary games. They were a little bit different oh, than no. uh, other uh, NHL games. Uh, obviously, we we were part of the uh, the rivalry. It was the, the rivalry was still really really hot, 
the, oh, the yeah. crazy the crazy stuff happened be, before us like all i mean the the majority of the fights the claude lemieux and i think it happened i want to say oh, 90, 96 yeah it was 96, 96 97, 97 i think so my yeah, first, yeah first year was 98 99 yeah. but still uh so we knew what you know, or I quick, we quickly realized uh, what happened in in in, uh, in the past of the series, uh, these past series. But uh, it was definitely uh, you know different games. The atmosphere uh, were unbelievable. You know, playing here at home in in, in Denver or even Detroit, uh, uh, fans were into it. People talk about uh, you know these games for for a long time before and after, and and you know. Uh, this, we're talking about pre uh, salary cap era, so you knew in the West that at some point you're gonna go through Rendix, right? If you yep. wanna, you know, go deep in the playoffs, you had to go through, uh, you know, it was Dallas Stars, uh, Blues, they were really good, Red Wings, and us. It was yep. basically top four teams in the West, with uh, you know probably uh, the payrolls probably or uh, was a little bit higher than other teams or whatever. We had championship teams all. All four our teams were uh, phenomenal, and and you know, it was it was you had to go through Red Wings at some point. You had to go through Red Wings, or they had to go through us. So uh, you knew it's at some point it's gonna happen. Even before the season started, you knew, you know, uh, I don't want to disregard the regular season, but you kind of knew that you know before the season started, the ass will make the playoffs. It was just oh, a matter yeah. of are we gonna be between uh, top four? What seed we gonna be? It was not a question that making the playoffs or not, right? So, so that that's you know, it's different than than these days that you know teams are more tight and you know it's uh, it's it's sometimes it's difficult to pick teams that they're gonna make the playoffs these days because it's just uh, the parity is a little bit different than than it used to be pre salary cap era. Awesome, oh, totally, yeah, no, totally. It, it was awesome to just even see, and I mean, for you to be a part of that. So, <laughs> oh, it, it was it was phenomenal. Great games, great atmosphere. It was fun to be part of part of them. It was uh, the atmosphere was electric in 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 both buildings, and uh, uh, it was everyone got into it. Fans, everyone talked about it, and you know, you gotta beat Red Wings, but you know, every all the fans that's were or they talking about the whole year long. You gotta beat the Red Wings. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> of course. No, I, I love, I love the Red Wings talk and beating the Red Wings always, but Milan, I want to take a step back and kind of piggyback off of what Ross said here a little bit um, in terms of when you just got to here to Colorado. Um, I heard kind of through the grapevine that learning English for you, you kind of learned that through watching Seinfeld and through Bob Hartley a little bit. Can you kind of elaborate on that for me a little bit here? Right. Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> You know, obviously, uh, I showed up the '98 uh, uh, training camp and uh, uh, made a team, but like, you know, my I didn't speak any English, so it was it was kind of struggle, especially the first two three months were not easy. Uh, uh, after I after the training camp, when I made the team, they asked I hired a, a English teacher that after practices I was taking some lessons, so I had kind of you know some kind of idea what coach is talking about and uh, guys in the locker room. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, like generally, I, I spend a lot of time in the, uh, a lot of time in the locker room. Like I'm slow, you know, I, I undress, right? I undress from my equipment really slow, and and just you know, uh, 
like to hang out. So I've become a really good friends with, uh, you know, some trainers and my buddy, Mark Miller was the head equipment guy at that time. And so, uh, uh, I, you know, the, the English part, you know, talking to the guys, locked, locked room, basically TV, Seinfeld, stuff like that helped me a lot because, you know, uh, that's, I, I guess it's probably the best way or the quickest way to learn the, 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 the language is, uh, you just, you're thrown out, out there and, uh, you know, you don't, you don't use your, uh, your home native language at all. And, and, uh, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. The first months are brutal, but once you get through it, I think it makes you stronger. And, uh, and, uh, I think it helps you make, uh, learn it quicker because all you hear is English. It's either locker room, yeah. TV, whatever. So, yeah. And what about Bob Hartley? Wasn't he? Isn't he French Canadian? How hard was that for you to kind of learn off of him that way? Too? Right, and yeah, and, and, and Bob, <laughs> Bob, Bob had some uh, French. Uh, so we had uh, Bob Hartley. We had uh, well, basically, well, Pierre Lacroix is French, right? French Canadian. Bob Hartley, uh, right? Uh, Jacques Loutier. Jacques Loutier was running, uh, running uh, the D's. Bunch of guys were French Canadian. So yeah, yeah. You know, the guys with some uh, French accents also, so it was a mix of everything. Really, we had in the locker room. Well, props. Uh, you I sound gotta, great right now. <laughs> I I gotta know. I gotta know. Uh, what's your favorite Seinfeld episode? That's what I was uh, gonna say. I, you know, I, I know it's been so long, but I, my my favorite character is Kramer. Love love that guy. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, I, I mean, you you. You come into a Colorado Avalanche team that's been so competitive almost ever ever since its induction, and uh, you you come in with the likes of you know Chris Jury and then eventually Alex Tange, uh, w- along the likes of you know Joe Sakic, uh, Peter Forsberg, and you've got these you know folk hero like guys you know like uh, Dave Reed. Uh, just elaborate on you know just how um, how important that was for you. Uh, to work harder and even improve your game more every day with you know all these incredible players around you does uh does it does it it's got to make you feel like like you got to be working harder especially as like a new player coming in to the league definitely like you you try to fit in right and then you're surrounded by uh you know great players future hall of famers that time uh it, it makes you work harder even in the practice to, to kind of keep up with them. I think it, it, it pushes the level of practicing the compete level. Then, you know, like you mentioned, Dave Reed, with, uh, when Ray Borg came, uh, came in, uh, you see these guys like Ray, Ray came here, uh, you know, he was already 18-year pro with Boston. You see how, how he prepares for the games, like he shows up early, you know, the preparation more comes into it, into the games and, uh, practices from guy that he's been around for for uh, so long and you know uh watching joe and and uh joe saki and peter forsberg in the practices and rob leg and i like you, you know you name it uh claude lemieux and adam denmarsh and like uh we have you know a bunch of phenomenal players and uh, it, it just it's a treat to watch them uh in the practice and and uh, see how they do and you realize what what how they deal with certain situation on the ice. And so uh, for a young players, it's, it's, you know, it's uh, these experience, uh, you, you can, you can find it anywhere else. You have to kind of uh, live through it and, and, uh, and be part of it really. 
think you might have showed those guys a thing or two too once you got that got on the ice. Yeah, eh? uh, you know, yeah I'm pretty sure these guys say the same things there. about you you say about them. Right, oh. Forsberg showing how to get your curl on and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of love too that uh, when you're capping off your career and you're able to uh, see your number go into the rafters there, you join an elite company, but you're all playing at the same time and you're all kind of making one line together, which I always thought was kind of neat. And um, I was looking up your, your Jersey retirement ceremony and it, if, if you could describe it in one word, it seemed like it was awesome. And you've said it's awesome. And then I watched the video and it seems like the whole time you're just this kid being like, awesome, awesome, awesome to everybody that, <laughs> that you beat. I, I'm just curious now, looking back over that and what those guys meant to you, uh, would you like to elaborate beyond the one word awesome and tell us what that was like for you? Oh, uh, you know, phenomenal. Some, something like you, uh, you know, uh, growing up, Back in Czech Republic, there's absolutely no way you're thinking this is gonna happen. Maybe you can dream about it, but there's no way it's gonna happen, really. You know the, what the what the what the odds are, really. And uh, if really, you know, it finally it actually did happen, it's kind of surreal, really. And and uh, every time I come back to uh, Pepsi Center, which what is it now? It actually, they rename it now, right? The ball, the ball, the ball, arena. ball arena. arena. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, the ball arena now it used to be Pepsi Center. Uh, anytime I come there, it, it, it's it's a treat to look up to Raptors and you see your jerseys amongst the great. That's, that's oh, yeah. phenomenal. And and every time I uh, look up there, uh, and and, and the, like you mentioned, we all played in in a similar era. Uh, I wish we won more cups. That every time that's that comes to my mind, like it, it's. So at least, so, I mean, the team before me won 96, we won 2001. So I remember my first four years, we went 98, 99. So we went to uh, uh, conference finals, lost to game seven. Next year, we went to conference finals, lost to game seven, twice to Dallas. Third year, we won the cup. The year after, we lost game seven to Red Wings. Like, we were far, we were close to being in the so finals. So close. Right? We lost three game sevens in the conference finals. One, we're one game away from uh, three three other times than winning the cup, being uh, one game away from the Stanley Cup finals. So uh, I'm looking up like uh, uh, looking back like almost wasted opportunities that oh, yeah. could have, we could have two, three of them, not just one. Of course. Oh, yeah. Well, and that even goes back to the team where you guys got Solani, Korea. You guys were just right. so stacked on paper. And then Korea that, had his concussion. Was, yeah. What year was it? Was it 03 or 04? It was before the lockout, I think, was it? It was after yeah. the Ducks went to the Stanley yeah. Cup finals. That was uh, probably 04, 05. So. No, 04, 05 was lockout. So. Was it? Oh, okay. So it was after so, that because uh, no, Korea was. It was before that because uh, we lost to uh, 03 or 04. We lost to the Minnesota Wild. We were up 3 okay. 1. 3 1 last uh, in game seven. Andrew game Burnett. Game sevens went, are a thing, eh? Andrew Burnett uh, scored a game winning goal. It was game, uh, game seven at home, OT. It was the last goal who sc uh, he scored on, on Patty Roth. It was Andrew Burnett. You're right. 
and, You're right. and, and Patty retired. It was, it was, then after it was Lockout and Patrick retired. So, yeah, and that year we, we had a phenomenal team. We were probably oh, yeah. the team to beat, and we lost in the first round to, to Wild that, uh, you know, both goalies stood on their head and, and, and just we couldn't get it done. And, and we were up 3-1. You're thinking, oh, this series is over. And uh, they, they came back and won a few close ones. I, I bet if we got through the first round, uh, we would have a really good chance to win the whole thing. We had a phenomenal oh, yeah. team. Phenomenal team. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and then to get to my next question I, there, I uh, Milan. Oh, <laughs> I think we all were, Cody, hopefully. But uh, to get to my next question, how does it feel, A, to be playing a 1,000 games with one franchise and, B, to be the 30th player ever to do that in the NHL at that time? I mean, that definitely feels... Uh special to me that's for sure i like you mentioned it doesn't happen too often uh, no. so only, only 30 guys accomplished that right no at the time that you did it yes yeah yes. so now it's probably, yeah so uh I, you know with today's you know the cap era and everything I, I you know i don't think it's gonna be happening too often guys just change teams almost too much i i'm kind of old school i like when uh you know, when you go and watch hockey games, you know what guys will be there. It doesn't change every year, year too much, right? They're just the guys that uh, you know and you 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 watch and you want to watch them for for a number of years. So that oh, yeah. so that kind of uh, maybe there were some opportunities that I could go somewhere else, but uh, always uh, prefer to stay in Colorado. Love the ass. We love Colorado as a family. Love Colorado. Uh, it was just no reason for us to to go somewhere else, and then uh, definitely, you know, uh, I end up playing thousand games for for one franchise, which doesn't happen too often. So that's oh, that's no. something I'm really really proud of. Well, you know what? Maybe you can talk to Yager, and you can come back for a few more years and still get a thousand games with a few franchises. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I- yeah, he, he last year he still he still he still played for his whole uh, home team. Yeah. He's a he's an owner, GM. He's everything. That's fire the thing. Him. I don't think anyone can fire him if you just own top to bottom everything, right? right. No, there's no one who can fire him. Has and he tried he, to draw he, you over to his team? So, Milan, I'm just curious, um, who were some of the toughest players you ever played against? And have you ever been in a fight? Yeah, uh, not in the NHL. I, I was in a fight when I was like 18 in the Czech League. It didn't go so well for me. So I'm like, yeah, this is probably not, not, in my, not yes. my thing. So didn't even attempt it to do it afterwards, really. Uh, the top guys... Uh, Probably, you know, like I, I remember, like a bunch of guys asked me, like, who was the toughest guy to play against? Probably, most scary guy was Scott Stevens, with with, with oh, New Jersey. New Jersey. He Ugh. he finished few careers. Uh, he was. Uh, you better be aware when he was on the ice. You better keep your head up because entering the zone and cutting across the blue line, he was coming there. And you know, you you know, I mean, you guys see. You've seen probably Eric Lindros. Or Paul Korea. Korea. Paul Korea Korea breath back on the visor is like 
right? I can't forget that, that. I thought, yeah, I remember watching that game. I thought he died right, right there on the <laughs> yeah, ice. Yeah, that was the end. <laughs> so so there, there was a bunch of guys kind of scary, but like he probably with his track record, what he did to guys, you kind of better be aware that when he's on the ice, where he is at all time. Uh, I, I got a quick funny thing about Scott Stevens, too. I went to the same summer camp growing up as his daughter, and his daughter was in the same cabin as my sister. So at the end of the season, sorry, the end of the, yeah, the camp season, he comes and picks up his daughter. And I kid you not, I never knew they made human beings that wide and solid before when i i I knew him from just like having hockey cards and when i went up and shook his hand my hand disappeared in his hand he was huge and i was just like okay i get it like there's a difference and uh i just i can i can completely respect that answer because uh that guy did not look like he was fun to meet on six inches higher on ice with pads on Uh, yeah and and he he looked mean all the time just just tough guy. I guess uh, off the ice, he's a really nice guy. He, you can see him on TV now uh, all the time, and it seems like he's a nice guy, but uh, on the ice, different animal. Uh, about being on the ice and being a different animal, I was actually kind of curious, because you're a, a bilingual, you speak Czech, you speak uh, Seinfeld English, and I was kind of wondering... <laughs> right? Uh, when you're out on the ice, do you ever go ahead and chirp in a different language or do people chirp at you maybe in check about someone else on your team because they know they won't understand it and they don't want to chirp you, but, you know, Chris Drury was fair game, something like that? Uh, like, you know, chirping in, 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 in different language was more uh, against when I played against other Czech players, then, yeah, it, it happened uh, quite a bit. Uh, uh, with other guys, but not not chirping in Czech to you know other other guys really. Uh, no, it, it, it just you know just the Czech players to Czech players. Yeah, we chirp all the time. Yeah, it does happen. It's it's part of the game. It's fun. Uh, I got a I got a question about that. Um, so who who do you think you uh, who chirps the most in Czech? To, I mean, probably to you or anybody else in Czech. Uh, you know. Uh, Yanni Heda actually when he played uh Yanni Heda when he played for uh for Blue Jackets. Yanni was kind of <laughs> chirping sometimes. Uh uh Radim Verbata, he was actually playing for the ass for a while too, then uh, yep. he always kind of chirped and uh you know, well, uh, there was there was a bunch of guys really, uh you know, I remember all of them, but uh yeah, there was always always something. Uh other part one of the best chirps uh a uh, funny guy, was really funny guy, was Rob Blake. Blake, he had a, you know, <laughs> Rob Blake was really funny. <laughs> I can imagine that. And he was all over the other other teams all the time, and uh, you know, chirping from the bench. And, uh, so yeah, it's 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 part of the game. I'm sure it's still part of the game. I guess I, I assume. Well, you know, I think I think during the when they were in the bubble, did they uh, did they try to mic some guys during the games? Oh, uh, uh, yes. Uh, it, they had like a five uh, second. They had like a five second delay. So uh, you know, yeah. I mean, hockey players aren't afraid of cursing and really, you know, taking digs at your other people, <laughs> other guys' moms. So yeah, they had like a five ten second delay so they could, you know, 
try to get the most out of, uh, out of the uh, out of the uh, national broadcast. So I think that's just kind of funny that they had to do that in the first place. Right, right. But, uh, maybe, 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 maybe it could be a future. And uh, so it gets uh, the fans watching, watching uh, the games on TV more into it. If you hear what's going on, uh, the chirping and and uh, you know, in in hockey, there's a lot of talking uh, even during the play. Not not just chirping. You, you kind of uh, uh, try to help out your teammates, let them know you're open. Sometimes guys don't see the play. Their back, your their back, their bar, bags are into the play, so they can't see. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talking to uh, let them know where you are. If you want to park, you're open or not. So, uh, so it would probably it could be a future of uh, you know NHL broadcast really to uh, get to get fans more into the game. This way, maybe. Who, who knows? Just as long as they don't bring back that glowing puck, I'm for it. That's Duh. right. I remember that glowing, glowing, glowing puck didn't last for too long, right? It was just oh, no, because they'd make a slap shot and they'd break the little micro trip inside. That's right. Like... <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, I I know you've been coaching David and Merrick almost since they were, you know, little squirts. So do you uh, kind of see yourself more in your father's role now with your kids? And uh, do you you find yourself like saying the same kind of thing your dad would say to you when you were growing up and playing the game? Right. Uh, So uh, the answer to the first part of the question so yeah, since since I retired, so when I when I played the game, I didn't watch the uh, hockey on TV much. So like you you know you play the game, you spend you know so much time at the rink and uh, you watching you know the team video and stuff like that. So you come home and I you know I didn't have much desire to watch hockey on TV when I played. When I retired, now I really enjoy it and I really you know, watch tons of hockey and I really enjoy it. So it's it's kind of shifted all of a sudden like. That part, me not playing, I kind of, you know, duplicated with, with uh, watching more hockey on TV. Uh, speaking of uh, my kids, since I retired, I, you know, you know, I, I start uh, coaching them too. Obviously, you know, I could be like a normal parent, be in the stands and just, you know, drive kids to practice and just watch them from the stands. But uh, I, I feel like you'll be kind of wasted. So, uh, you know, naturally for most guys retiring and they have, if they have kids in hockey, you just kind of get involved in coaching and you help out on the ice. So same thing happened with me. And uh, so I got involved, really kind of, you know, really enjoy it. It, it. It's fun. You're, you know, not only you have, you know, your own kids, but, uh, you know, you see how the other players, how everyone is improving, how, uh, you know, how they listen, having fun kind of, I think it almost makes you uh, feel a little bit younger and, 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 uh, you know, in a way, it kind of almost replaces replaces uh, your your playing days. Really, you're still kind of around the game, and and uh, you get that adrenaline kick in. Uh, even you know during the games, you're you're still on the bench, but I feel like I'm playing the game, even if it's you know uh, 12 and under, 13 and under, whatever uh, the age group is. You kind of feel like you're in the game. You you thinking what do you what do you do in that situation? Try to tell the guys this is what I would do. This is what you should do or not do, and uh, and and you know answer the, uh, the the other question. Probably I do. I say some stuff. What what my dad would 
or was telling me when I was young. And, and I think you kind of probably try to take uh, from every coach you had in your career, there are some things you liked, some things you didn't like. So uh, you try to uh, you know, piggyback out of, of every probably coach what you had in your career uh, and kind of you know, coach your own way, really. That's, I think that's how would I describe it, really. Nice. Well, and I'm going to kind of piggyback on to that and just like what kind of notes and anecdotes can you give our listeners? Like, since you're a coach, I mean, you can't physically see them skate, obviously, to just kind of keep that intuitiveness to the hockey and just like keep their nose to the grindstone, things that they can work on or things that you usually tell your kids or anybody else that you coach. Right. Uh, well, especially let's say if I would talk to uh, you know you know younger players, definitely if you if you looking uh, today's game, uh, it's it's a lot about skating, right? It's it, you have to be a phenomenal skater to be you know to be able to compete. Uh, the game uh, uh, became so fast that you know if if you are a mediocre skater, probably not gonna have a you know a long future in in you know. It doesn't have to be necessarily pro hockey or, you know, it could be college or juniors or whatever it is. Uh, skating is probably number one thing. Obviously, you need to have a passion or heart for it. So, uh, you know, some people have it, some don't. Uh, sometimes, you know, I've seen it with my kids too. Like when they were, they were little, I don't think that the passion was really that much there when they were four, five, six. Uh, it didn't look like they, they liked it that much. We we, I'm not saying we push them too hard. We push them a little bit, kind of, and and they they start liking it, and all of a sudden they loving it. Sometimes you know, I, I, and I've seen with other parents, it, it 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 did happen when when you're like, yeah, you don't want to push your kids too much, right? You don't want to like, okay, you know, they have to play the sport or they have to do this, but maybe a little bit, you know, let's say if the kid is four or five years old, what is he gonna rather do? Like he's probably gonna rather. Know, play on the iPad and play inside games and, 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 and go on the ice and skate and which is hard and you 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 go down and you, you get hurt sometimes. It's probably not a whole lot fun for a four or five year old sometimes. Right. So yeah. I yeah. think that that's uh we pushed a little bit and then like when once they turn six, seven or some they love the game and now now they love it since. So uh sometimes don't get discouraged that you know the kids don't like it and don't take them away from the sport and take them somewhere else because they don't like, you know, you know, a couple of months or whatever, or half a year, or whatever. Uh, there's a chance they, they, they can like it later too. Uh, but obviously passion, passion is a big part of hockey. You, you need to have it to, to move uh, farther in hockey. Like I said, juniors, college, you know, pro hockey and stuff like that. You gotta have, you need to have it. Skating, hockey sense, heart, passion, uh, to to get better, uh, to be competitive. That these are uh, things that hockey players need to have. Of course. And speaking on that I, passion I part of it, I just think that you know you and Peter Forsberg, Milan, were almost quiet leaders. And at one point, you did become captain of the Colorado Avalanche. So, what do you think good leadership is to young hockey players today? What do you advocate in that? Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I you know I wasn't really vocal much guy in the locker room really but so so was i would say let's say you know um 
you know, my captain was Joe Saki was for for a long time, and, and Joe wasn't the most vocal guy in the locker room either. You know, it doesn't doesn't have to be sometimes who is raw raw guy in the locker room all the time. Uh, you can lead by example, do the right things, uh, practice well. If something needs to be say, said, like you, you say it, uh, so it's meaningful. So it's not raw raw guys all the time. Uh, you know, usually it's not just the captain who uh, who uh, uh, you know unites the team and then who uh who kind of gets them ready for the games it's, it's a bunch of guys it's it's just a kind of the leadership group could be five six guys and i remember uh you know uh footer adam foot like before even before he became a captain he was a guy who liked to talk a lot more than joe or myself or or maybe probably I could even see landy. that probably even landy you know you have you have different guys you can lead different way uh we're all different you know different personalities, but he can achieve same goal different different ways. Uh, but like when I say Furrier was, uh, he wasn't, even before he was a captain, while Joe was still captain, Joe, uh, I mean, uh, Furrier was always very, you know, loud in the locker room and then, you know, let everyone know his opinion and stuff like that. So, uh, uh, yeah, there are different different ways to lead, really. Uh, you, you try to, like, again, like, it's like coaching, same thing, you know, being captain, you try to pick, uh, you know, a little bit of everyone. Obviously, you have your personality that you can't really, you know, change that much, and then you try to fit it to yourself, really. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, uh, Landy, um, did you have any? Did you have any say in that when uh he took over captaincy from you after uh, after kind of leaving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, we had, we had the discussion. It was kind of my last year. I was, I think it was like three games out of thousand games. Uh, I, I knew I'm gonna come back, but I, I, I you know, I knew it, the, my role on the team is not gonna be what it used to be. And uh, and you know, and uh, I think it was Greg Sherman was the GM that time, and uh, we had some discussion before even uh, you know I signed one more year, and uh, and uh, we we discussed it. I'm like, this is uh, kind of awkward. Uh, let's say I knew I'm gonna be on the probably third, you know, maybe for third fourth line, whatever it's it's gonna be that my last year. I'm like, you know, do you want to? We be in a discussion. Let's let's give it to someone who's gonna have a bigger role and uh, and maybe some young guy and then just kind of groom him into it. And that's, uh, you know, the uh, Landy was young, upcoming guy. Definitely, I think he was a captain. Uh, I think he was a captain in the juniors in the OHL. Yeah, Kitchener. Yeah, he was. Right. Yep. right? Uh, so uh, you know that. They decided to to go the route. I definitely definitely supported uh, that decision, and Gabe became uh, I think the youngest youngest captain in the league that time. I don't know if it still holds or not, but that's uh, what he. Was. Well, yeah, McDavid took it, but yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was really yeah. proud of that, and I think he I think he's done really well, and I think um, if I I can't speak for Gabe, but I mean to have someone I mean uh, to have Milan Hayduk say yeah this guy deserves the captaincy i mean I, I i couldn't even i couldn't even imagine how you know how elated uh uh landy must have felt yeah i mean definitely he was a young guy at that time but like you know everyone everyone uh helped him uh to be became uh you know become the, the leader he is now and uh you know he i think he's a he's a great you know great guy off the ice uh you know super comp- competitive guy on the ice he's a warrior like he he can he can do it all right he's kind of like a swiss uh swiss army knife he, he can do it all uh you know he can he 
can drop the mids, be play play tough. He can play skill, skill game, uh, be really uh, present in front of net. That's where usually he plays on the power play there. Uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's a you know the, the leader of the Avs. You know, probably him and him and Mac are you know and a bunch of others. But uh, he is a uh, he's probably the guy who says the most in the locker room and uh, probably should be that way. Well, I got to say, it's been a lot of class in that organization in the captaincy. So I know that. Um, oh yeah, it's it's been great. One of my most favorite memories is that uh, that cup when you guys won it, and yeah, he immediately passes it to to Ray Bork, and it was just like, "Here you go, buddy. Like this is <laughs> I know what you wanted, and I I just hold Sakic and the rest of that team for that perspective and respect in such high regard." And, Definitely, that was, that was the, one of the you know you know the best moment of you know hold of Stanley Cup run. Not only uh, uh, you know with Ray actually Ray, uh, not many people probably remember this, but uh, Ray uh, we got, he got traded from Boston. It was a year before the first year we didn't get it done. We uh, lost in Game Seven with, with Dallas, but uh, in in the in the conference finals next year, so Ray. Stay two two years, and then next year, uh, uh, right from the get go, it was kind of uh, you knew it's gonna be special year. Uh, just a regular season, we uh, we lost 16 games out of 82 in regular season, won the President's Trophy, uh, and and Ray was big part of it. Uh, it was kind of not like you you want to win, uh, you know, you you just everyone personally wants wants to win the cup, but if you have someone like you, you you want to almost do it for him too. Obviously, for for sure. Ray because you know such a great career and 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 you see sometimes it does happen uh, great careers and and guys never win the cup right it does you know sometimes it does happen with uh, I mean uh, Joe Thornton let's say for example something like that exactly who uh, I was thinking of so so Ray could uh, you know become that guy but uh, he decided to to go was it Colorado and uh, because we had we had a legitimate legitimate shot to to win the cup and uh and uh i think you know i'm not sure if we would do it without without ray because then it gives you 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 know like it or not it gives you extra motivation and then seeing ray uh uh you know tears in his eyes and the whole family actually is why oh, yeah. everyone was crying because they knew what, what it means to him and and then uh, uh, Joe didn't lift the cup, gave it to him right away, so let him lift it first. Uh, it was definitely a special moment, something I will remember forever. Just like uh, Dave Reed said on the, uh, the Mission Accomplished video, you, uh, you don't want to be the guy handing the cup to Ray. You want to be the guy winning the cup with Ray. Right. And That's so, the... I, I... Exactly. And that's like, you know, I, I bet for you guys, that's just kind of like, you know, the special sauce that goes on top of the best cheeseburger you've ever eaten in your life. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. It was, it was definitely you know, a special moment. And Ray was for, so inspirational for us, for everyone to, uh, it tells you like for myself, that time, pretty young guy, it, it tells you, uh, you know, how hard it is to even get to the finals really. And, and, and uh and, and winning the whole thing it's it's not easy you have you have uh uh 31 pretty soon 32 teams who who want to do it every year uh it's not it's not easy to even get to the finals 
So, you know, even like all, all the phenomenal teams we, we had over the years, I was in the one final, really. So it, it, it's just not easy to get there. Hardest trophy to win in sports. That's true. Uh, do you have any, because I know that your guys' mantra was miss, Mission 16 that year. Do right. you still have any of the memorabilia from that? Because I know that they handed it out like hats and T-shirts to players and all of that I, I, for Ray Forex. I have some uh, T-shirts. So, <laughs> and, and we're, we're like, so uh, during the playoff run, so we had, uh, you know, you have the, a big uh, a whiteboard in the locker room and, and in the corner it was 16, 16 games in, the, in like in the square. And every time we, we won one game, you raise it, you go down to 15 and all the way down to, to the cup. So same thing they were doing with T-shirts. I think we were getting T-shirts and after every round, it, it was a different number there. So the countdown number. So I, I think I have some still somewhere in the house. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's awesome. been a long time. It's been, what, almost 20 years, right? So, uh, but, uh, you got that I, beautiful picture of you here. behind you too. I see that. What do you say? You got that beautiful picture of you raising the cup behind you too. That I see that. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know, Milan. Just just speaking of house, because you mentioned it. Um, I know you were just lived in Parker with your family, and you have an had an amazing house with an ice rink that came with a zamboni. My question off that is: Do you have a house right now with a ice rink and a zamboni in it? If so, can we come in and skate on it? <laughs> <laughs> sure there's no there's no ice right now so it it uh it's not a full-size ring by the way okay it's, it's a smaller smaller version but yeah we you know we built it uh uh when i don't know probably 10 years ago something like that nine years ago so uh you know i knew like boys were playing hockey so uh uh i saw it with uh with adam foot footer had a, a house with the with the ice ring also and and uh, I'm like, yeah, this is a good idea. Both both Adam kids, you know, obviously play hockey. They were drafted. Uh, both will probably play NHL someday. Uh, so that was kind of inspirational for me to see it with Furr. He had the same thing. So that's, I hear what that's so water, cool. I hear you got a water slide too. I got to ask you, uh, what gets used more, the ice rink or the water slide? <laughs> uh, we, we, don't, we, we don't have a water slide. Wow. Oh, oh. Oh, never mind then. Just, just the ice rink. Yeah. <laughs> Skate, no it. swimming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, man. you know, with Milan, with your kids off to Harvard next year or soon, I'm not sure. You know, everything yeah. going on. It's who not knows? Be next year. Yeah, they're, yeah, they they got years to go. Yeah. But yeah. you know, when they go off to the East Coast, I don't plan on moving anytime soon. I'd be happy to make sure you get those passes for the one timers coming your way, so you can keep <laughs> going to lighting it up at the Dog Bowl every year. Right, right. <laughs> By the way, that was that was that was basically uh, Dog Bowl was my was my first year this year. Uh, normally, we we spend uh, summers in, in in Czech. We go there for a month and a half, two months every summer. But because of COVID, we didn't go this year and. Uh, it was my first dog ball, and uh, that was that was awesome. It was uh, what a what a great experience. Even we didn't have uh, that many, uh, you know, fans were not allowed in the, in the in the building or not the numbers they they used to. It was it was great. great well, we were still hooping and hollering though. <laughs> uh, yeah, every time right. you guys were playing, man, we're we're out. we yeah. we were out there. 
we were stuck over in the corner, you know, with our little, uh, with our microphones, you know, just getting anybody we could. So we got to see your game. So that was fun. I, but, I know um, we, and, and we still raised a ton of money. And I know that I helped out that with my Jersey addiction too. Uh, and so it, 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 it just, it just proves that it doesn't matter. You know, we no, were still, no, I, like the hockey community is amazing. Talking, talking to Marty, uh, I think, yeah, that, uh, that week, raised more money than than last year and there was literally no fans this year so that's that's it's amazing you, a lot of a lot of charities are probably hit hard during this covid time right it, it's uh it, it's been crazy times but uh you know uh dog nation is doing well well and get to get onto that whole entire thing too uh hey duke i just want to just yeah see what led you to get involved with dog nation and also be kind of a higher up with them too because i mean that in itself must be an amazing story um so i just want to kind of hear your feels on that whole thing right like so yeah since since, since i retired i you know i got i think at that time i was coaching i got approached by marty i didn't know uh, i didn't know much about dog nation but it was funny uh uh this is a funny story, actually. So I had no idea what Dog Nation is. Uh, talk, yeah, I'm getting out the ice after uh, coaching some session, and and um, Marty starts talking to me about you know Dog Nation stuff, stuff like that, and and uh, so we had a, I, I you know as a coach you 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 collect the puck, I mean the players collect the puck, you get the puck back, and you just carry it in the lo- uh, in the locker room. And right. one, of, one of our pucks were Dog it was Dog Nation puck that time. And we're talking about this, this and I had, we, I had no idea, you know, how he got there, what does it really mean? And uh, then I talking talking to Marty, you mentioned donation, and I pull out the puck out of the, uh, the the puck bag. I'm like, you're talking about this? He was, yeah, that's that's us. So uh, <laughs> you know, then I, I got to know Marty uh, more and, and what what Dog Nation is is doing, and and you know, it, it's definitely close to my heart. It's uh, you know something if you want to be part of some. Uh, uh, you know, charity organization might as well be uh, something you know hockey related. Uh, uh, you know, charity which Dog Nation is doing phenomenal things. You realize how the hockey community, how tight it is, how they rally uh, behind uh, you know people that they, they need help. It, it's it's it, it's been a treat to uh, be be part of it. And then I you know and you know there's a lot of people involved, but uh, you know they they all uh, you know. Uh, deserve the kudos but you know uh marty is the godfather oh yeah he's the dog father the dog, dog father, father. <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean it's great that you've gotten involved with such an organization as dog nation um honestly i mean hell uh cody wouldn't be in the place that he would be right now if it wasn't for marty and just uh, Jan, I mean, even you contributing and everybody else. I mean, that's just an amazing thing for you to undertake, just not even hearing about it. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, yeah, I'm down with it. I'm down with it. I like where this is going. Right. No, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's phenomenal to see how, uh, how the, how the Dog Nation uh, Foundation, how it's growing, how uh, it, it's, it's uh, gaining traction. And uh, you know, next step obviously will be the rink, and uh, and uh, you know, I think it's definitely a bright future, and it's 
you know how many people we can we can help in the future and and then Dognation Foundation already did help, but uh, you know in the future it's gonna be more and more people, uh, you know, getting help either financial, emotional, whatever it is, or it's gonna be. Uh, uh, it's 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 great to be part of. Oh, that's amazing and, uh, to hear. And not to brag or anything, uh, one of the oh, first easy. things Milan did with with uh, Marty was uh, come over to this guy's house. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> We went to this this guy's house and uh, took him this out. Guy's then, house. <laughs> took him out for a dinner. You know, had a few beers. Yeah. Was... Uh, by the way, I still owe you. I I owe you some cash for that. I can't believe you picked up that whole bill. Well, either that or a bottle of Bevlerota. I was, I was, Bevler, <laughs> I, was no, I was really you know, trying to get that pro behind your back. By the way, too, I was really trying to get the. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, my wheelchair is not as sneaky as I thought it was. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll we'll have, we'll have a few beers again. We'll do it again. Oh well, well now that you did this, you got to come sign me on the bench with Beaks uh, uh, banner, bud. Right. So, well, that's right. Get that and get a little Bev Laroca in uh, your system too. You know. Oh, right. <laughs> that, that, thing oh. is a, that thing is a poison. Oh, okay. <laughs> funny story about that. Funny story about that. We actually had Yanni, uh, Jan Hada, come over and be on an episode too, and. Uh, Prior, uh, prior to him, uh, well, before him coming over, I, I, I bought a bottle of Bekarovka, and oh, I boy. presented to, I presented it to him, and his face went green. He's like, no, <laughs> no, 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 Bekarovka. <laughs> so that's that's really funny that you pretty much say the same thing, man. I, that's great. Yeah, it, it, they say they say in Czech that it's supposed to be healthy for you, but I'm not sure it is really. It, it, it kind of t- <laughs> it's similar to Jägermeister, really in a way uh but yeah it's it's poison <laughs> yeah my my mornings after my mornings after would say the exact opposite of it being good yeah. for me so right. i'm right there with you yeah <laughs> oh uh, i i have a random question on on just bars and drinking now like did did yager ever try to get you to like go to his bar in prague or anything like that did did you know he even had a restaurant that smells like an ashtray (laughs) (laughs) no but it's funny 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 thing about yager is like he doesn't uh i don't think i've ever seen him drink like he doesn't oh wow he doesn't drink alcohol like he if he does it's just you know, I I don't think I ever seen him drink really. So he's always maybe that's why he plays. You know, still hockey when he's whatever he's forty seven. I don't know, right. something like that. That that's why he's probably still plays. He, he doesn't play. Well, Brett Hall did point. recently say that he doesn't drink beer anymore because he can't skate every day, so he drinks martinis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty True sure Yager could be a uh, like a bodyguard because. That guy, I, I'm pretty sure, never takes off his lead vest either, and so that would it, just be at it. Well, did you guys, did you guys see his? Uh, uh, I think it was on YouTube. Uh, do you guys see how he practiced with the with the yeah. vest? With the ankle, yeah, that's uh, exactly ankles, why. Ankle weights. He's using the the pucks are you know the heavy 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 pucks. So uh, his training and he likes to practice evenings or like at night. Like he he usually he's got the keys from the rink. And uh, he comes there like midnight and just and 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 skates. It's it's crazy, and he I think he still does it. You know, so he's just got no, the it's... keys to the rake. It's like probably part of every yeah. contract he signs. It's like, yeah, I need that too. And 
And I've got one more also, Milan. Do you have any funny locker room stories that you might be able to share with us of uh, just well, funny, they're, they're, weird weird things that happened in the locker room? <laughs> I mean, over the time, you know, they are obviously there are some pranksters that people uh, like to get you in different ways. You know, what I've uh, seen over the years, you have some guys, they... Uh, you know, uh, before practice, they step on the ice. They they uh, they like to f- uh, first think you you kind of know who these guys are. You, they take the puck and they take a slap shot right away for some reason. So, you know, uh, seeing guys uh, cut their stick. So first for things he does, take a clapper, boom, ends up on his face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. You know, uh, clear t- clear tape on the bottom of your uh, blade. So you you come on the ice, you wiped out. Uh, that's that's another gotcha. thing. Uh, Classic. You know, hiding hiding underwear, so you go you, you go home with <laughs> you know, underwear stuff like that. I've I've it's, I've seen someone nails uh, nail dress shoes to the ground with you know nail nail them down through, through the, through the, <laughs> no. Through the, yeah. So uh, you know there's there's people do crazy things. I, I'm sure still they still do. Uh, so it's it's just it's fun to be uh, part uh, you know be around the guys in the locker room because there are some uh, definitely there's always fun. So those are really good pranks. Um, I am curious about superstitions. Every hockey player I think might have something they do, eat um, some sort of ritual they do before a game. What's something you did, Milan, or what is something the Avalanche did as a team for superstitions? Uh, well. Generally, uh, let's say if, if let's say uh, you know people have different uh, you, know, uh, you know how many how many suits you have for like each player is probably you know I will say seven ten different suits maybe more. Uh, if you you have the winning you know this suit is winning you keep wearing it yeah. right you don't you don't like whatever works you you don't you don't really you don't want to change. Uh, you know uh, I know Patrick Graw was pretty super superstitious oh, he was yeah. i don't know if you guys remember like he every time he went on the ice i don't think he ever he'd stepped jump on any, over the lines right he never stepped on any line yep. yeah no uh, and he had like however many wraps around his yeah. the butt end of his stick like i think it was like 30 something yeah, like it was I, something so, just ridiculous so yeah we have guys doing different things i didn't have really anything other than you know let's say suit or or or, or shirt whatever you're wearing and it it works you gotta keep wearing it still you know stinks completely but it's still you gotta wear it till you lose a game <laughs> or whatever or it doesn't work for you anymore so uh yeah we're uh, uh you know creatures of habits and then uh something something it it's uh not you know not broken you don't want to change it and then if something works yeah you, you keep doing it uh it's it's uh you know it's a funny game really well, and you haven't dumped out a whole pair of your sticks because I know that there's some players that'll just get rid of all their sticks and just get all new ones because they're <laughs> just playing like crap, basically. Right. People try to change their their pattern of curve and whatever. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you try try different things, uh, uh, you know, ch- change your luck, whatever. Was there anything right. like that for you during your 0203 season as the Richard trophy winner were you just like okay i really hope this stick doesn't break it's got 13 goals in it by now or something. <laughs> like, 
I like, yeah, like, I, you know, I didn't break that many sticks. And if I had a good one, like, so, uh, especially, you know, well, before, like, the, the composite sticks, you had the wood sticks. And so not, wood sticks were not, every stick was uh, same, right? Some were heavier, some were, you know, lighter. Then uh, uh, I went to wood, uh, wood blades. You had a, uh, I think, a Eastern shaft composite. Oh, shaft. the two-piecers, yeah. Two-piecers. Two, two so... Not every stick was was same. I remember Ray Bork was uh, Ray Ray had a, a wood Sherwood sticks, and they sent him a batch of, you know, let's say hundred sticks, and he went every through every single one of them, and uh, out of that hundred, he picked probably, I don't know, I think seven eight, and the rest of them they shipped back. He just like you know some what? just didn't feel right. We were talking about wood sticks. They were they were different, right? There was not. Uh, now with the composites, they're all pretty much same. There's not much difference. But that's with just sticks, nuts out of a hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just picked just a few, and uh, rest of them shipped back to Sherwood, and, and you know, hit a guy and with his uh, track record, and then you know, who, being who he is, he could you know, there's absolutely no problem to do it for him. So, uh, so there's different 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 things with sticks, really. I used to uh, curve, uh, curve uh, you, the wood sticks, wood blades. You could curve, right? Mm. You heat it up and you curve it. You can step on it, and that's. I I spend hours after practices, working working this thing, and the, you know you uh, use a heat gun. You heat it, stick it in the in the in the door or something. Put a little bit more toe, whatever. You, you could you could work it how you want it, and then you stick it in the ice bucket and and cool it down. So. That was routine. Then uh, the composite sticks came, and you didn't have to do anything. It was kind of like I kind of missed it actually. It was kind of I kind of enjoyed so, the work on the sticks. Oh yeah. So yeah. you're basically pulling the old Bobby Hole when they started doing That's that, basically. Thinking, like the standard <laughs> right. heat the door, like pulling it, yeah. right. stuff like that. That makes me so happy. The idea that Ray Bork's on the phone is like, okay, so of the trees, which ones of them were struck by lightning? So essentially, we were just kind of talking about uh, essentially, you know, how you just won a Rocker Star Trophy not too long ago. That's 50 goals, but you also had 59 game winning goals, too. What was your favorite game winning goal? Oh, uh, well, I think I had a couple of. OT winning goals in playoffs. I mean, any any OT goals are like great. They, these are probably you know it, there's a OT, there's a game winning goal and game winning goal, right? If uh, you can you can win uh, five nothing and and the first goal is a game winning goal, so it doesn't feel the same that it is you know when the game is tied and uh, you score four or five minutes left in the game or overtime. So I think I would probably say it's score few. Uh, you know, I had, you know, few, a uh, bunch of actually overtime goals and some in the playoffs too. So uh, these are probably the ones they you uh, will remember or, or cherish the most because it's, they're the game, you know, really game deciding goals that where everything is on the line. My favorite one was against the Dallas Stars when you decided uh, to go head first and dive right. into uh, yeah. the frozen ice there, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what I was thinking afterwards. I just, went absolutely bananas and I, never, I was not thinking straight obviously so happy you're and, all uh, bananas 
I, yeah, I, I just love that. Then, I love. I love. I, I still watch that video to this day, man. Just uh, yeah. the swim, baby. And, the and then, swim. And, 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 oh God! You, yes. You know, you 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 end up scoring goals, then you go bananas, and then you're forever in top ten worst celebration in the history of hockey, or something like that, or whatever it is. Well, I would say it'd be the top ten best celebrations. Right. Of it's, hockey. it's pretty I epic. Mean, God. Get out it of here. It depends what angle you're looking at it. Oh, yeah. Your good side or your bad side? <laughs> right. I got to say top 10 best sellies. One of the top 10 best right. sellies out there, no doubt about it. And, right. I, I mean, yeah. has, like, with your kids playing nowadays, do you do you see them hot-dogging out there every now and then or doing the old Milan <laughs> yeah, Duke celebration? Yeah, and is it just like, oh, my yeah. God, or is it like... Some, some done it already, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, really? Yeah, you guys want to fold this? <laughs> yeah, we, did, we didn't practice this. Easy. <laughs> did you just get handed 23 in training camp and then it was your number? Or yeah, and, and yeah. then you just like wore twenty four internationally. So I was def- I was curious, like if anyone in your family like has numbers for significance. If you took numbers for significance, or anything about your jersey numbers you want to talk about. Uh yeah. Uh, so my dad uh, played with thirteen and never 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 wore thirteen. And with the twenty three, yeah, that's exactly right. I show up for the training camp. This is the number they gave me. I made a team, so I'm like, yeah, this is this is working. I kept uh, 23 all, all my career. It was no really, I didn't I didn't pick it, but I you know, early I I was not super excited about 23, but I started liking it and I love it now. So he kind of I kind of grew into it really. And what was 24 all about? Was just was there someone wearing 23 on the yeah, Czech was, team? Was, yeah, there was Peter Svoboda. Uh, you know, he played, you know, I think way over a thousand games and played for Philly, Philadelphia Flyers. So he had 23 already. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's why I was wearing 24. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, just, uh, well, one thing I just want to know, I mean, yeah, Rocket Richard Trophy, I mean, Stanley Cup, Olympic gold, your number raised in the rafters. What's the what's the number one, man? Well, what's the number one thing uh, that yeah. you, you look? What was the cherry on top? Yeah, I mean, like you know, like hockey is a team sport, and and, and you know the, the the top things are for me. It's it's the Stanley Cup winning the gold medal, uh, the Olympic gold medal. You know, uh, the personal stuff. It, it it's great, but like you. Uh, you you know you want to win your with your teammates. That's that's the the, the team events you you cherish the most. And you know winning the cup and winning uh, winning uh, uh, gold medal, Olympic gold medal. That's these are probably two top things for me. But overall, like you uh, throughout the whole career, you uh, you generate tons of good memories, a lot of good friendships with guys. Uh, it's you know something you once you retire you you miss. You do, you you do miss. It's I, I think like you at, at the end of the day you, you don't miss the game as much as as the fun. What you had with with the teammates. That's that's where what's every you know. And you can ask probably any other players that that's generally what guys miss the most is uh the the, the fun you, you know you uh you know create 
tons of you know good memories and and good really good friendships and uh what do you miss the most you know being out of the game yeah well and i mean you guys see each other you know more than your family during that whole entire 14 seasons that you played so i mean those are basically your second family <laughs> yeah it is exactly right you spend so much time uh together that uh yeah, it is. It is basically your family, and uh, you know when people, someone get traded or stuff like that. It's just uh, these are not fun moments really uh, that much because no. you know let's say you've been playing with the same guy for five years. You you know you know uh, you know you know him from inside out really, and all of a sudden he's gone. So these are tough times when people get traded. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, it's always thin ice when people get traded, that's for sure. Well, uh, Milan, uh, I, I got to say, like I think... 2% uh, left on my phone. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Yeah. I might die. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we I got to say, man, um, thank you so much for hopping on and giving us the time of day. I, I, I got to say, I appreciate, so, appreciate it so much. I can't speak for the boys, but I think we just had... Oh so much fun with you tonight man oh it was it was a hoop and a holler and i enjoyed myself yeah, yeah. thoroughly uh it was so, I feel like uh, a little kid right now it's just being able to like, yeah. remember, like remember you and peter and and um you know a lot of other players just being at hockey camps at at the family fun center up in inglewood uh, just being part of that and meeting you and also being able to talk to you right now is really cool. Just wanted to say that. Yeah. Oh, and we also got to grow, watch you guys, you grow up in the league and play 14 seasons. So we got to, yeah, you know, it's just, we got to see you grow as a player. And now to talk to you, I'm loving it every minute. Thank you, Milan. It was an ultimate pleasure. So uh, much for your time. Is... Thank you. Is there anybody you want to give a shout out to before we uh, end this one, bud? Thanks, guys. It was a lot of a lot of fun. Uh, well, yeah. Thank you so much, and um, I just want to say thank you to all our listeners out there. Uh, uh, we can't keep, do this keep, without keep up you. The good work. Oh, thank you. Oh, man. thank you, Milan. But yeah, big thank you to Milan. Hey, dude, big thank Bye, you boys. to all our listeners. See you, bud. We'll see you, Milan. Thank you, Milan. Thanks, Milan. Take care. Have a good night. All right. See you around, boys. See you, bud. See ya. Daniel, you want to start our shout-outs? Uh, hey, man. Just want to say huge shout-out to Milan once again. Obviously, to have a legend like him on the show is just incredible. And it was really nice to be able to talk to him from a, a perspective, not only from his career success, but also what he's doing in the Colorado community. So big shout-out to them. Big shout-out to all of our listeners. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. And uh, just big shout-out to you guys. I haven't been around for the last few weeks while I take care of some personal matters and some health issues. So really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. We missed you, buddy. Ross, what do you got there, well, bud? A big shout out to you, Dano, because I missed your beautiful mug on the <laughs> podcast and your sassy voice. But um, glad to see you here. And once again, to our fans, um, I'd have to say Dog Nation. Obviously, you brought it up. Um, and not to forget, 
Dan, my beer nation. So yeah, give a shout out to them and yeah, you guys once again and friends and family for your support and listening to all of us. So what you got, Bryce? Uh, big shout out to our guy, Milan Hayduk, um, spending that time with us, answering questions. Just an awesome guy, Stanley Cup winner, uh, big, huge, huge uh, personality here in Denver, Colorado area. Um, of course, to you guys, the podcast team, My Beer Nation and Dog Nation and my family and friends. Right on. Yeah, I mean, all the love to uh, everybody's family and friends, uh, obviously. Thank you so much, Milan. I don't know how, how many times I, yep. I can say that so many times. Uh, huge, huge shout out to all our listeners, all our friends. And, um, uh, you know, if uh, we, if you want to become a monthly supporter of On the Bench with Deeks to make a better podcast for you guys, uh, please do go to anchor.fm slash On the Bench with Deeks to support and um, just Thank you to everybody. Uh, just big, big appreciation. And uh, check back next week for a new episode. And, I mean, boys, Milan Hayduk. Wow. I'm so Milan glad Hayduk. that I picked that guy for my Avalanche jersey for 31. I was like, I know that dude's solid, but that guy was so much fun to talk to. Oh, no, really? Oh hedgy, I, I, I know you rest. guys had maybe talked to him before through some of the other Dog Nation events that you'd been a part of or whatnot. Oh, no. So I no. hadn't had the opportunity. And it, what a nice guy. I mean, hockey players really are just so nice. Oh, yeah. I can't even describe how I'm so elated right now. <laughs> I feel like oh, really like I can't even describe how I feel right now. <laughs> it's like somebody touched me. You want to touch me? I just touched me. <laughs> I just touched me. Hey, dude, you can touch me. Well, anyways, boys, yeah. I think uh, we can wrap this episode up. So, uh, V Horsh, Aviento, Salute. Bye, bye, See guys. See you guys. See ya. Let's try the damn thing, see what happens.